What would you say goes hand in hand with living with schizophrenia? Misunderstanding, uh, judgment, um, it, uh, not really knowing all the time what's true, what's not. Um, a struggle to get help and needing a whole group of people to support you in order to get you stabilized and in control of your life again. My name is Phaedra Aldridge. Welcome to Look Again Mental Illness Reexamined, a podcast about mental illness brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and our BC partner organizations. Now, most people have seen movies or TV shows that have used schizophrenia as part of their story. But how often do we stop to actually think about if these show the experiences of people living with schizophrenia? And what impact do stereotypes play in how we view people living with a serious mental illness? As studies consistently show, schizophrenia is an illness that the general public views most negatively and generates a ton of stigma. Societal stigma is one aspect for those living with a serious mental illness, but there can also be an additional hit of managing their own internalized stigma. But there are people living with schizophrenia who are trying to change that. One of those people is Adria Roberts, who joins me today. Adria works as a peer support worker, which she says has given her hope and helped her deal with her own illness. Adria, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning. What was going on in your life when you were first diagnosed with schizophrenia? I had been recently homeless for quite a period of time. It had been just over a year and I had been in transitional housing, living out of women's shelters. And life was not that great, <laughs> to be honest. It was a very hard time in my life. And because I was struggling with symptoms, it was hard to grasp and understand why all those things were happening to me. How old were you? At the time of my diagnosis, I was 24. And I had had symptoms for about a year. When I first started having symptoms, I was in denial. I was not comfortable with the idea of struggling with my mental health. I, for the longest time, was in paranoia and delusion. So when I was having those symptoms, I thought that I was on this grand, pivotal journey in my life that a bunch of amazing things were going to happen. With the result of hearing voices, I thought that was some spiritual awakening that perhaps I was telepathic. I'm of Indigenous ancestry. I thought maybe I was connecting to my ancestors, the land. It felt very spiritual at the time. So I, uh, I did not want to go look for support because I didn't see myself as someone that had any struggles. It must have been absolutely terrifying living on the streets and hearing voices. Being homeless in general is not a party. Oh. Also, being delusional while homeless, it's its own kind of thing. Before being homeless, I had been in taking a lot of marijuana and caffeine, but those were the main substances I was using. But once I was homeless, I was so psychotic, I wasn't using any substances anymore, but I showed symptoms of looking like I was on a lot of different possible substances. So how people treated me, being female plus someone who looked like they were on substances, 
That was really hard and heavy, and I started to not trust anyone. I had several instances of being abused during that period. You told us that you were diagnosed at 24, but you had been experiencing symptoms for a year before that. What were some of those symptoms? I had grandiose thinking. I thought I was going to save the world from negative thoughts, be a peacemaker, similar to like Dalai Lama. I would hear voices all day long, about 10 to 20 voices, and they would interact with each other. And the voices to explain it where someone else might understand it who hasn't had this symptom before, it felt like outward voices coming inward. So my brain took it as an outward source coming into my brain. So I didn't hear it as my own voice in my own head. And sometimes it wasn't just voices. Sometimes it would be sound. Sometimes it would be visual hallucinations as well. I had physical hallucinations where I felt like something would be touching me. I was very lost. I call my story lost in reality. There'd be moments where I would have some clarity and be like almost like waking up and being like, what is going on? And then I go back to sweep back into delusion and psychosis again. I know that was a number of years ago now, but do you remember what it felt like to hear those multiple voices coming at you at the same time? It was overwhelming and it felt like an attack. When I initially started hearing voices, it was extremely positive. It was like hippie, fun-loving, oh, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're going to change the world. It was a high. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm amazing. But it was also, I thought I was communicating with the land, and I thought it was part of my ancestral heritage. So I thought the trees, the sky, the sun, the ocean was talking to me. But then when it had the switch over, it was only voices. It was no longer, you know, objects within Earth. But then it transitioned and it was so extreme. Voices would be taunting me, threatening me, kind of destroy me and my self-worth. And it was extremely heavy. And I would try to escape the voices by sleeping, but they would find me in my sleep. So it was like living in a nightmare. I honestly can't imagine. So thank you for having the courage to speak. And now a lot of years have passed. So when you first got diagnosed with schizophrenia, what did you think your life was going to look like at that time? I remember intense devastation. I say this to a lot of people. My initial response was great. Now, not only do I know I'm crazy, everyone else can confirm that because I have a diagnose stating it that I have a perception disorder. I internalized after that diagnosis. I realized that life felt quite pointless. I was like, I don't see reality like others. I'm not happy. My life sucks. I was living in transitional housing at that point, And I started to hide from people. I started to stay in my small little space for weeks at a time. I would stop showering, would sleep as much time away as possible just to escape reality. I had attempted to end my life a couple times without success. So I ended up just feeling like I was just waiting for life to end eventually. Adria, I really commend you for being able to speak so openly and to talk about what your life was like over a decade ago. 
what led you to actually get treatment at that point? Part of me doesn't understand fully why I decided to get treatment. I was still in denial, but I also was suffering and I didn't want to suffer anymore. And I wanted support. I was finally in a space of, I need something. I don't think I expected myself to be diagnosed with schizophrenia or even depression or anxiety. We talked earlier about internalized stigma. Is that what you mean? Where you were feeling stigma within yourself? I would say even still now, I sometimes have that. I'm conscious that I don't like the word schizophrenia. And I also don't like the word schizophrenic. When I share about my personal story, I say I'm diagnosed with schizophrenia just because of my own perceptions I've held previously and then how I sometimes assume others see the word around me. I'm curious, you didn't think that you would ever want to talk about schizophrenia, but you went from that to now working exclusively in the mental health field. So tell us a little bit about that journey. I think part of my perception of the words schizophrenia before I ended up having the diagnosis was I had an uncle with that diagnosis and we all looked at him as the crazy uncle and not a word I like to use, but it was the word we used. And then when I later in life received the same diagnosis that my uncle had, my perception of myself changed that I now was someone like my uncle. But I then later on in life realized how I perceived people was with a bias and also without any knowledge of what the struggle was. Now with that diagnose, I had a very public psychotic journey. So I was on the streets being very random and off. And after I was diagnosed, I realized that I wanted to share what I went through because so many people didn't understand it. They just looked at me with judgment and I felt, to be honest, offended and I felt unheard. So I decided, well, if it hadn't been so public, I probably would have not started sharing. But since it had been quite public, I just thought I had nothing to lose by being extremely open. And I don't feel like it is something I should have to hide because people are either not understanding or unwilling to understand the words schizophrenia. Speaking of stigma, our producer took to the streets. We wanted to hear what people on the streets of Vancouver, what they have to say about the term schizophrenia and what schizophrenia means to them. So let's take a listen now. My grandma used to have a schizophrenia. I just remember about her. She lived in another city, so I didn't really have like a very close relationship with her. But every time that I go to see her, she will be like completely like gone, like just sitting on a chair, just not saying much. So Adria, when you hear that young woman speak, what comes to your mind? It makes me depressed in a sense, just that it's sad. Um, someone isn't able to connect with their loved one because of the other person's symptoms. Yeah, it's very hard to connect to someone who is struggling with those type of symptoms. Did you feel supported when you were first diagnosed? I did not feel supported by my family at all when I was diagnosed. And it's been very uncomfortable to admit that, but I'm starting to feel more okay to say what it was. In one sense, I'm very aware that other people 
have things going on with their life and everyone should make themselves a priority. At that point in my life, I felt abandoned. It felt crappy that my support system was a psychiatrist and case manager who were paid to support me. I think it goes also to show me now that I clearly wasn't well enough to have too many people support me because that was how hard things were for me. My symptoms were so severe that it was limited who could support me at that time. And what is your relationship like now with your family? It's fine. It's not super connected. I was close to my mom the last few years of her life. She passed away in 2019 when I was nominated for a TED Talk. Me and my mom didn't talk about my diagnosis too much because of some of my behavior that had come out had really traumatized my family. But when she found out I was doing a TED Talk, she in her own way supported me by buying me my outfit. I was sharing my recovery story for the TED Talk. And then after the TED Talk, my mom and I talked and I said, I am never going to share again. That was horrible. And my mom looked at me and she said, we'll share again. And I didn't believe, she said that and I waved it aside. But then after she passed away, I thought about it. And I think that was huge that my mom had said that to me before she passed away and had a lot of meaning. Absolutely. And I'm glad you see the positive in that because your mom was perhaps in her own way showing her way of supporting you and that she did back you up and was in your corner. My dad has struggled a lot because of how my behavior was. I did a lot of accusing in psychosis and I was psychotic for quite a long time, about a year or so. And I asked for forgiveness and I wasn't allowed to see my family for three years. And I have several siblings. He eventually said that he forgave me, but I have a hard time connecting because he sees the symptoms of schizophrenia as I, on purpose, by full choice, decided to have that behavior and trying to explain that in a clear headspace, I would never have that type of behavior. He doesn't accept that. And that's very heavy for me. But he sees me living life really well. And I think he admires it now. And he says he's proud of the progress I've made. So that's nice to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad you have that. You're listening to Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, a podcast brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and BC Partner Organizations. I'm your host, Phaedra Aldridge. This podcast would not be possible without the support of the community. From the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you for caring about serious mental illness and everything that's around it. Together, we truly can make a difference. Would you consider schizophrenia something that was common or rare or...? I think it's probably more common than is documented. Why do you think it's more common than what it's talked about? Because I, I think it's a spectrum. Yeah, I have a sense that there's this general more like neurodivergence in the population. People don't really have the, the language to talk about it. Just by, I don't know, being around friends and things like that, you just get a sense that People don't really conform to the normative idea of what mental health is. We're back with Adria Roberts and we're talking about serious mental illness and perception. So I wanted to go back when you said you could accept when you were diagnosed with depression or anxiety, but schizophrenia felt so much worse to you. Why do you think that is? I think there's a few reasons why 
I'm clearly able to converse and understand how my perception was back then. At that point of time, I was not. For me, having to admit that I was in delusion, it's a very heavy thing to think. Everything I believe and think and see around me is not true. And that would be quite devastating to realize your whole perception is off. It's not a fun feeling. And to be honest, I think it took me six years to give myself the chance to say, let's let go of how we perceive existence and how we hold on to believing life is. Maybe not fully, but be able to admit that I could be wrong about how I perceive life. And it just feels offensive when you're having this perception of what life is and people are like, no, you have schizophrenia, you are wrong. (laughs) I feel like with other diagnoses, there's more empathy available right away. Whereas if you hear someone has schizophrenia, it takes a bit more time to feel the empathy for it. So Adrian, now I want to fast forward. Where and how are you doing today? I'm doing really great. I will say, though, because everyone knows life is not linear (laughs) ever. (laughs) So it does its waves, which I'm not always okay about. And then sometimes I am. Like I don't hear voices anymore for the last several years, and that has been a huge thing for me. I have a hard time sharing where I'm at now because I know it's not the norm for someone who generally is diagnosed with schizophrenia. A lot of people suffer a lifetime with their symptoms. I still struggle with some symptoms, more of the anxiety symptoms than anything, but I do work in mental health and I think creating awareness and learning different coping and wellness tools have been super pivotal for me. The same with being able to share myself all the time I also have a really good support system, and not everyone gets that. And I also don't have triggers all around me anymore, so I have a very safe space to take care of myself. And that's not always the norm for everybody. Did you ever think that when you first received your diagnoses over a decade ago, that you would ever be talking and speaking this openly? I did not think I would be sharing about myself at all. I didn't think that I ever had anything interesting to share. But now that (laughs) I have had that diagnose and had that journey, I appreciate it when people give me space to be heard because that's a huge blessing in life. That's my favorite thing is to hear other people's stories too in their journey, like what they've gone through. I work in the psychiatric ward for the last few years and... They're on their journey of their life. And when they share what they've gone through, usually there's lots of trauma. There's other factors as well. But it's amazing how resilient people are. Absolutely. Very resilient. So if somebody is struggling, what advice would you give somebody who is recently diagnosed or is at the start of their journey? That's a very hard space because I'm not sure what I would do looking back. It's easy to say I'd have a lot of grace for myself and self-love, but that doesn't happen automatically. I do appreciate the fact that I didn't work for many years and I'm so glad I didn't. I just needed space to heal and to be okay and breathe. I think 
some type of advice like that. Just give yourself space to be. And I still struggle with this, but not denouncing how I feel or see things. It's okay if I'm wrong, but I can still acknowledge how I feel and see things, even if that's not quite how things are. And I think that's what we kind of want from ourselves and others anyway. And what do you think we can all do, Adria, to make it easier for people to talk about schizophrenia or other serious mental illnesses? It's so funny because we're talking about schizophrenia, which is a perception disorder. But if we can hold back our own perception on how we perceive things, just give someone space that will share how they see things and how they feel, and that you're acknowledging that you see and hear them for how they want to express themselves. It was such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I really, truly appreciated your honesty and your transparency. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for your time today. It was so nice to connect with you. It truly was. And a huge thank you to you, our audience, for joining us for this episode. Together, we can better understand and change the narrative around mental illnesses like schizophrenia. I hope you learned as much as we have today. And as we ramp up for our next season, which will start in September, you can listen to past episodes of Look Again. And we always love hearing from our listeners. So if you have any questions or any comments at all, tweet us at BC Schizophrenia. We hope you join us next episode. Talk to you soon. This podcast is brought to you by the BC Schizophrenia Society and the BC Partners for Mental Health and Substance Use Information. We're a group of nonprofit agencies providing good quality information to help individuals and families maintain or improve their mental well-being. The BC Partners members are Anxiety Canada, BC Schizophrenia Society, Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research, Canadian Mental Health Association's BC Division, Family Smart, Jesse's Legacy, the North Shore Family Services Program, and Mood Disorders Association of BC, a branch of Lookout Housing and Health Society. The BC Partners are funded and stewarded by BC Mental Health and Substance Use Services, an agency of the Provincial Health Services Authority. For more information, visit heretohelp.bc.ca.